0: So good to see each one of you today. Good morning. My name is Rob Jacobson, if we haven't met before. And isn't it a great day at the lake? Yeah. Come on. The sun just broke through. It was a little cloudy this morning, and we, you know, th- people ask us, like, what, what's your backup plan if, if, the, uh, if it rains? And we just look at them <laughs> and say, well, you can pray, because <laughs> that's our backup plan. That's actually the first plan. That's the only plan we had this morning, and that's the plan we've had the last four times we've done this. Now, now I wonder if, like, for those of us in our back-to-school mode, is this our same plan for each of our things that we have for back-to-school? Like, school supplies. If you've been at the store, there's like 17,000 of them, and I didn't even know that some of them existed, but what if you just thought, oh, you know what? I'll just pray, and I, I hope I have the right stuff. You know, the TI-8017, whatever, calculator. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Or, or school clothes. Like, last year's clothes were fine. I'm sure they fit. I'm sure the brands are still popular. So, you know, if you're a student and you're just like, yeah, that's okay. I'll pray. God loves me. I can wear the old clothes. Or, or if you're in a new school, high school, middle school especially, like, do you want to go to orientation and make sure you can find your way around the building? Or are you thinking, you know what? I'll just pray. I'm sure I'll find the places. Now, I'm totally a proponent of prayer. My point is that I think there's a lot of us who might be very concerned about some of those things. Making sure we have the right school supplies, making sure we have the right clothes. I remember... Uh, they're just different now, but I remember the clothing ordeal and, you know, finding your way around the building because nobody wants to be that kid when the teacher says, This is English 101 if you're in the wrong class, or This is English 9A if you're in the wrong classroom, you should get up now and have to get up and leave. No, I think that some of us, many of us, are very concerned about that because we really want to make sure that we're accepted and we want to make sure that we have worth. That we feel valued, and we want to sure we're in the right community. And I think that goes way, way, way beyond students. I think as people, we want to be those things, too. We want to have that, that feeling of worth. We want to have that place of acceptance, and we want to have that sense of purposeful community. Because we want to be in. Nobody likes to not be in. Maybe you've been in a situation before where you've been talking with somebody at school or you've been talking with somebody at work or you've been talking with someone even in your neighborhood and they start talking about this latest news event or this latest um, device that came out and you have no idea what, they talk, what they're talking about. Am I the only one? And how do you feel right there? like Out, right? Excluded? alone, misunderstood, out. Nobody likes to feel out. We like to be in. But not only do we like to be in, we like to be in the in crowd. There's this amazing thing that happens when when we identify with a person or a cause or even a technology. And when we do, we start to find all the other people that that identify with that person or that event or that technology. And all of a sudden, we have this community. We become part of this crowd like, hey, you have that phone. I have that phone. You know, I stood in line for three days for that phone. Oh, yeah, so I stood in line for two days for that phone. Oh, where did you? And all of a sudden, oh, I ran in the, the Susan Komen race. Oh, I ran in the Susan Komen. Oh, who do you know that? And all of a sudden, we have this common unity. It's this universal thing that we experience when we find this crowd because we want and need to be part of a community. But I think this kind of speaks to our situation as people as humans in general. Like I don't know of a culture or a structure or a society that that doesn't have a need to feel understood, accepted and part of a group. They could be the most individualistic society. There would still be these universal things that we want to find acceptance and understanding. And we'll go to extreme lengths to find it, won't we? Whether it's making sure we have the right clothes, whether it's making sure we're in the right groups, or even most recently signing up for a dating site when we're already married. We'll go to extreme lengths to find acceptance. And I think that goes all the way back to the beginning of creation when there was this first man and first woman that the Bible calls Adam and Eve, and when they were exiled from this Garden of Eden, this place of perfection, ever since then, humanity's been searching for a place of acceptance and a feeling of worth and a sense of purposeful community. And here's the interesting thing. We'll pursue anything and everything else to try and find that, and where we can actually find it is in Jesus and in his baptism. Now that might be a jump for some of us, so let's just read from Mark here, and he gives us a sense of Jesus and a sense of his baptism, and Let's just think for a few minutes on if that really does have relevance to these feelings of acceptance and worth and community that so many people in the world seem to have. Mark is a great book, Mark chapter 1. I love Mark. If you've never read any of the Gospels, read Mark because it's the shortest. He just gets right to the point. He doesn't mince words. But he wants to prove that Jesus is the true hope. In Mark 1 says the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as is written in the prophet Isaiah. I will send my messenger ahead of you to prepare the way. He'll be a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. It's a a new weight loss plant. No, I'm just kidding. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. See, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And at once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would speak to us and speak through it. And that you'd use these words and my thoughts on it to be your thoughts and your heart for what this might say to our need and our striving for for worth and acceptance and community. Amen. Now, if you imagine yourself back in the Middle East, which I know is a stretch, but 2,000 years ago, imagine we're all the way back there, and we're looking and asking people how they can find a place of acceptance and worth and community. What do you think some of the things we would say? Since everybody at that time believed in at least one God, if not many gods, there would probably be something to do with God. If these people were at all around Jerusalem or that area, which isn't too far out of the Middle East because it's a pretty small pocket of the world, you'd probably say something about God, not only believing in God, but you'd likely say, you know, you should study the scripture, the spiritual writings, specifically the law and the prophets. That's what they would have called them. Not only that, you should go and travel to Jerusalem because that's the center of this faith where this one God is and there's a temple there that you can offer sacrifices. And if you do those things, you will feel accepted by that God. That's what people 2,000 years ago in the Middle East would think when they thought of acceptance and worth and community. But what's so interesting here is that when Mark... Opens his story about Jesus, he goes somewhere completely different. He doesn't bring us to the temple. He takes us way out into the wilderness, in the edge of a desert. And he doesn't talk about religious priests in formal robes. He talks about a man in camel's hide, leather belt, a lot like a wild prophet. This is how Mark opens how people can find acceptance and how they can feel worthy and how they can have community. And then he gives us a messenger who speaks of this truth and this hope in in this way of saying, hey, guys, gals, leave your past. I'm paraphrasing, but stop sinning against God or ignoring God and live faithfully with God, and really, really, truly love others. Now, I get some of that from the other writers that talk about Jesus. Matthew and Luke specifically go into more detail about what John the Baptist is saying. But John the Baptist says that he's preaching this this words of repentance for forgiveness of sin. Baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sin. Now, if you think about those words, maybe you don't understand those words because we don't really use baptism, repentance, and forgiveness of sins a lot, but if we think about them, when I talk to people, most of them don't have a problem with admitting they're not perfect. Like, if you really talk to somebody about their thoughts and their words and their actions and how they may go against God, most people I talk to are ready to admit that. It's the second part that we have a problem admitting. See, when John preaches this baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, what he's saying, I think, what he's saying is that God desperately loves you. God desperately loves you. And he was telling the people, I think, God loves you. God is merciful and compassionate. Don't you remember when he did this, people, and when he did this, people, and when he, did this, when he took us through the desert when we were slaves in Egypt, and he took us out when we were rebelling against him and he came back to us, and when he sent angels and when he sent prophets and when he sent kings and when he sent more prophets? like This God has continued to reach out to you because he loves you. That's the part that I think we have a hard time accepting. how readily do you accept these words that God desperately and passionately loves you? That he is a God that is full of mercy and full of compassion. That he's a God full of goodness. That he's a God that is so patient and continues to reach out to us. It's out of that place that I think John says, live faithful to him and really love others if you understand how much God loves you. Now, maybe you do that. And if you do, my guess is you sense this joy from God. You sense this love of God. It shows in how you live. But what about those of us who don't feel that? Who don't always sense that, who really aren't sure that maybe God loves us. Like, well, sometimes he might, but I don't know, he might be as finicky as me. Well, if you're one of those people, which I think I'm one of those people, I want you to know there's there's a whole bunch of hope for you. There's a whole bunch of hope for me. And this is why I know, because because John just doesn't say, hey, leave your past, and he just doesn't challenge them in their present to really live faithful to God. Then he goes to their future, and he says, you know, it's not even about me, and it's not really even about you. He gives them hope for the future because of Jesus. He says, after me comes one more powerful than me. See, I baptize in this way with water, but, but this God... This person, this Jesus, this Christ, actually is the word he uses, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. See, I've met a lot of people who, who think that Jesus Christ, Christ is just Jesus' last name. But actually the word Christ means Messiah. It means this chosen one, this one who would come that is predicted through the prophets to actually bring reconciliation, to bring redemption to the people, to bring them back to God. And so when Jesus was baptized, he's the one who actually senses all the things that we pursue, I think, when many of us buy stuff or get things or wonder about our approval. Jesus experiences that approval. He experiences that acceptance and that worth and that community in his baptism. Remember when it says that when Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. See, when God spoke and identified Jesus as his son, he's saying, I accept you. And when we decide to be baptized, we are baptized in the name of the Father first. We are baptized in the name of the Father because it's in Jesus where we find ourselves in God's family. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done, his claiming of us. And that's what Jesus, that's what God was doing when He spoke from the heavens, saying, "This is my Son." It's that identification and that acceptance. But then God chose Jesus with His love when He says, "With whom I love." It is this placing of worth on Jesus. There are so many people who who don't believe that they are loved because they're not worthy. But. It's actually because God loves us that makes us worthy. That's what God was doing when he said, with whom I love. He is is giving Jesus, if he didn't have it, he's giving Jesus this assurance of his love. And when we're baptized, when we choose to be baptized, we're baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Son. And what we do in Jesus is, he's king and he could call us servant, but instead, He calls us friend. He says that at the end of his life, to the ones who followed him for three years, to the ones he's chosen, he says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Because everything that the Father has told me, I have shared with you. And that is the, the love that Jesus then gives to us. So when we're baptized, we are baptized into the name of the Son. And we get to identify with that love that makes us worthy. And then, finally, God said he was pleased with Jesus. With whom I delight, is the words that that he hears. And this delight is really in Jesus, but it's because of Jesus' purpose. It's because of what Jesus is going to do that God is so delighted with him. God knows that Jesus is going to bring this restoration. He's going to help, he's going to bring the people that have been far from God, back to God, because we can't do it on our own. These humans have tried and tried and tried, and the people that God has chosen and the people that he's loved have not been able to fulfill this covenant, this promise that God made with them. They just couldn't do it. But in Christ, God knows that that will happen. And it's through his perfect life and his atoning death and his resurrection that we see this come to completion. And so when God delights in him, it is through that, that purpose. And when we choose to be baptized, we are baptized into the name of the spirit, the Holy spirit, the same spirit that descended on Jesus like a dove, the same spirit that spoke these words of delight. It's the same spirit that sent Jesus off into the wilderness, which seems peculiar to overcome Satan to be in the wild, to do, to get right what we got wrong back in the wilderness. If we identify ourselves with God's people, if we think back to the time where the the Israelites were in Egypt and then came out into the wilderness and abandoned God even after he'd rescued them. Jesus got right what we were getting wrong. That's why he sends us into, that's why he sends the Spirit sends Jesus into the wilderness, and the same Spirit sends us back into the world for a purpose, to be agents of restoration, people who, like Jesus, bring people back to God, not by our power, but by his faithfulness. And, and Jesus calls John, the one who's saying these things and doing this baptism, Jesus calls him the greatest prophet ever. Kind of a great title. But then he says, those who become children are citizens of Jesus' kingdom, this new world order that Jesus is going to do. They're even greater than John. Ever think about that? Like, how could John be this greatest prophet, but yet any, any of us, any person who says yes to Jesus' kingdom, will be greater than John. Because John, like the prophets before him, got to announce the good news of a new world through this chosen one, this this servant, this this savior that would save them. He agreed with the prophets, especially Isaiah, that... That one would come that would be filled with peace and would bring peace, one that would guide the people, one that would heal broken lives, one that would baptize with the Spirit, one that would bring this new world order that would not quit until it became complete. It's in his name that that John says will be the hope of the world, that Isaiah says will be the hope of the world, that the prophets say will be the hope of the world. And he got to do all that. So, why would we be greater? I think it's because John, as this great prophet, just got to announce the good news. But he didn't actually get to experience it. He didn't get to live it out on earth. He was put in prison after this, and then he's beheaded later, and he never gets to live in this new world that Jesus brings. That's why I think we are greater than John. That's why I think Jesus says that. Because it's through this, not just understanding who Jesus is, but actually knowing him personally, that we experience the love that is shown in this baptism, the delight that's shown in this baptism, the acceptance that's shown in the baptism. And when we understand that we don't even have to do anything, we can't really do anything to earn it or get it, just like we couldn't do anything to make the sun come out, but all of a sudden it did that's what we have the opportunity to experience when we say yes to Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Where are you at with giving your whole life over to the one true God who can make the heavens open and the sun shine down who can send miracle after miracle after miracle, who gives us his first and best and his one and only son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, who gave his life so that we could have life. Where are we at? Where are you at with giving your whole life to that God? Have you ever said, not just yes i believe in you jesus but but i want to live for you because you've died for me if you've never said yes to him all you need to do is agree with this prayer of jesus i i never understood all that you are but but i'm starting to not only that I understand and believe that you lived and died for me and now I want to live for you. So take over my life. You can sit in the driver's seat. I'll, I'll be the co-pilot. Prayer just like that can, can absolutely start to change your life. But if you've said yes to Jesus before, maybe it was just now, maybe it was a week ago, maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was years and years ago have you experienced some of the things that we've talked about this morning? Have you experienced this unconditional acceptance? Have you experienced this assurance of your worth? Have you experienced purposeful community? Or have you striven after? Have you run after? Have you pursued stuff? Whether it's new technology or new clothes or new people to to start to feel that worth or have you let it determine if you feel good or not? And if you have, then you're probably human. But what I would encourage you to think about is if you've never been baptized before and and maybe God is nudging you, that you can experience the same things that Jesus experienced in his baptism in your baptism. You can experience being baptized in the name of the Father and knowing that you are in God's family now and forever. You can experience being baptized in the name of the Son and knowing that this, this king does not call you servant but calls you friend and you are part of his family, loved ever so dearly. And you can experience being baptized in the name of the Spirit. Knowing this Spirit is going to fill you and send you out much like the Spirit sent Jesus out and you are part of a mission and a community called the church forever. It is the most glorious thing that you can experience. If you've never done it, I'm going to be right over by the food, and I invite you to come and talk to me. I'm not going to force you into it. I'm just going to ask you what God is doing in your life. You don't have to give a long speech. You don't even have to give a short speech. You do have to get a little wet, so we can talk about that. But I don't want you to leave thinking that You have to find acceptance by wearing the right things or saying the right things or doing the right things or even just attending church. You don't have to do any of that. You find that acceptance in Jesus and in him alone. And that is something to celebrate. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your sunshine, and for this warmth that you embrace us with right now and for each one of these people, the God that represent someone you love so dearly, someone that even if they were the only person on earth, God, that you would come and you would send your son and you would die for them because you love them, because you've always loved them, because you pursue us because you're a God full of mercy and compassion. And God, we don't have to simply wonder if that's an opinion. You show us through your actions. You show us through sending your son. You show us through his perfect life. You show us through his consistent love. You show us through his sacrificial death and you show us through his glorious resurrection. God, I pray that we would not just know these things intellectually, God, but that we would know these things personally, deeply, in our being, and that it would change us. Wherever we're at, God, I pray that we would hear you now. That if we've been baptized or if we believe that we would we would really, really spend this time and this week reflecting on who you are and what you've done. Make us people who can celebrate in any moment, any time, any place, with any circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen.